0: good let's pray father thank you for this morning right now in the name of jesus god i just pray that every distraction in this room everybody's mind that is not set on you god that we would snap to focus right now in jesus name because you have a word for us lord you have a word for us right now in jesus name god so i pray that the things that may be going on in our mind lord what we're doing after we're done here today um, what we were doing in worship just a little while ago, that all of that, Father God, would just kind of begin to move to the side, Lord, and our minds and our spirits and our heart will be open to receive from your word this morning. God, because you are, you are speaking very strongly to this church and this body right now, and we thank you for that, and we want to receive everything that you have. God, and so I pray right now, Lord, that every distraction would be stopped and that, that anything the enemy would want to do to distract from this message t- today would be bound, uh, not able to operate, Lord, that you could get your word across. I ask that you would help me this morning to to speak clearly and that your word would come across the way that it needs to. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So you guys ready to get in the word? Let's try that again. You guys ready to get in the word? All right, good. So um, the year was 1987. Um it, it was about the beginning of October, I know that, because your, past, your pastor's not always been a perfectly sanctified human being as I am now, right? <clears throat> Who never has the wrong thought or anything. I know that it was early October because just a few weeks later on, on, uh, on Halloween, I got a glimpse of somebody in a costume and and it made my eyes pop out like Popeye when when he sees olive oil. So I know what the time of that was. It was at Marshfield High School, 1987, Marshfield High School. Um, It was in an honors English class. Catherine Young was my teacher. We were studying the book, A Farewell to Arms, by Ernest Hemingway. It's funny how you remember things. And in that particular class that day, in that classroom that I was in, there was there was my classroom, and then there was another classroom next door to us, and in between those classrooms was a doorway, and and on this particular day that doorway was open. We were in between classes, and and uh, everybody was kind of you know going from here to there, and the classes had not started yet. The bell didn't ring, and so the door was open, and and I was in my honors English class, being the perfect student that I always was. I was getting ready for to to study. A farewell to arms, right? And and this individual walked through that door, and and when the individual walked through the door, um, I I had known this individual for for a, a couple years, I think, at that point. But when the individual walked through the door on this particular day, the individual looked really really good, and 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 I was just like whoa, and so. I started, I started talking, and, and I'm just like, hey, how are you today? Oh, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And, like, right there in that moment, now, if you've experienced this before, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, maybe you, you, you won't. But in that moment, boom light bulbs went on in my head. And, and, I, and I, I was smitten, and and so I'm I am you know I'm I'm the cool jock I got my Leatherman jacket on because that's what cool jocks wear you know so everybody knows how cool you are, but I'm I'm a complete idiot, and and I'm just like hey how are you, <laughs> and so, as we were talking, um, the bell rang, and and uh, I I think I had said do you want to talk more or do you want to do something, and 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 the individual said yes. And, and so I was like, whew, that's cool. And then, so she turned around, the individual, the she, she turned around to walk away, and she turned back around and said, hey, do you want a kiss? And, and I was like, because I wasn't always perfectly the sanctified individual that I am today, I was like, yeah. And, and, and I, I didn't know that she pulled out a Hersey's kiss, and she flung it to me. Okay, and, and when she flung that to me, I, I say this in, with all of the seriousness in the entire world, when I caught that kiss, my entire life changed. My entire life actually changed. The course of my life, the direction of my life changed on the moment when I caught that kiss in the doorway. And, and from that point, Um, I started to get to know who you probably obviously know is now my wife. From 1987 to our date here in 2021, we've been together all of that time. And my entire, everything about my life changed in that one moment when I caught the kiss in the doorway. And so you're probably like, why in the world would you take time to to say that this morning, and I want to tell you, because I have a very hyper-spiritual reason for telling you this story this morning, because what I want to talk to you about today is that what happened right there in that doorway between those two classes, a doorway that generally probably would have been shut most of the time, but on that particular day it was open, and I, and I, I had an encounter that changed everything in my life. I I had a meeting that changed everything in my life, like actually everything in my life. And so you're like, well, what what is the spiritual reason for that? Because in that moment, I had a pagah. That was a pagah. We've been talking about the pagah. And if you haven't been here, you don't know what I'm talking about yet, but you will in a minute. If you have been here, you know that we've been talking about this word pagah, is a Hebrew word from the Old Testament that when the when the, the Old Testament talks about intercession, which we most often track intercession to be about prayer, that, that word for intercession is the word pagah, and it means intercession and often is a relationship to prayer, but you see this word all throughout the Old Testament. In fact, next week when I talk to you about it, I'm going to show you some stuff that's just m- m- like what? What could that possibly have to do with prayer, but it has everything to do with prayer? Because what it traces back to is this word paga. And what I want to talk to you about today is that the word paga means a meeting, an encounter, that you have an encounter. And, and, And any meeting, any encounter is a pagah. But sometimes God wants you to have an encounter. He wants you to have a meeting that will change everything about your life in a moment. Sometimes you might walk up to a door in your life and the door is always closed but because God is God has set this time for an encounter when you come up to this door the next time the door is open and God's just going to give you a little kiss. He's just going to do something in your life that you didn't think could be done. He's just going to do something. He's going to open an opportunity that you didn't think that he would open up for you. And and that in a that that is the Pagah that I want to talk about today, which is a meeting or an encounter. Okay, and so my bottom line for this, I'm just going to give you this, but I don't want to take too much time on it today. The spirit-filled way is revealed when we say, let us pray. And all of that tracks back if you've been here, if you haven't been here. The reason for that this morning is because if we're going to know where God wants us to walk, if we're going to, if we're going to be able to find the place to that open door, he's going to have to lead us there. And the way that he most often leads us is through our prayer life. When we're spending time with him, when we're abiding in him and him and us, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, and we're just saying, God, here I am. If there's something you want to do in my life, here I am, I'm open to it. Lead me. And if we do that, he will lead us there. Okay? He will his Holy Spirit will take us to that place. And so today, what I really want to jump into is, is this, though, is that a pagah. And I'll relate this to prayer in just a minute here, but a pagah simply is a meeting. Now, last week you were like, I thought pagah meant to go between. It does. It does mean to go between, but it also means a meeting. Guess what? It also means to strike somebody down. It also means to strike a target. It also means to bear somebody's burden. Pretty amazing all that's wrapped up in this little word. But what I want to talk to you about today is the meeting. Everybody say the meeting. Okay? Okay the meeting is this. And I want to start with this. If you got your notes this morning, if we don't, I think we have some notes back there. You can grab them. Point number one is this. Mercy meets the truth. Everybody say that. Mercy meets the truth. Okay? Let's tune in this morning because I'm going to give you something. In Psalm 85 verse 10, it says this. Mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. Mercy and truth have met together. And righteousness and peace have kissed. Now, now this is pretty amazing. Now, first of all, I just want to uh, don't bring up that slide just yet. But I, I just want to let you know that this word "met," and I'll show you this just a minute. This word "met," mercy and truth have met together. This word is paga. Okay, and we're going to get to that in just a second. But before I get to that, I want to tell you this is one. This, this may be one of the most amazing verses in the entire Bible. Okay, because in this verse. Is all of humanity, it's all of God, it's all of it's the fall in Genesis, it's the law of God in the Old Testament, it's the coming of Jesus, it's his death, his his resurrection, and his ascension into heaven on the cross, and it is his coming back for us. All of the history of God and humanity is wrapped up in that verse right there. Isn't that amazing? And you're looking at that going, I don't see that, Pastor. I think you're stretching a little bit. Well, let's talk about it just for a second. Mercy and truth have met. Well, what is that about? Righteousness and peace have kissed. How is that the entire plan? Well, here it is. Is that truth is the truth of who God is. Anybody? Truth is the word of God. Truth is who God is, and truth is what God has said is. So when we look to the scripture, we see what is truth, right? And so according to the scripture, we have to follow that truth perfectly. We've talked about this in the last few months here. If we're going to follow God, we have to go through this book and we have to do everything that it tells us to do and we have to do that absolutely perfectly with no mistakes because that's truth. If you're going to come into the presence of God, he is the God of truth. And so there's nothing that is false that can come into his presence. And so, therefore, we have to be perfect in what we do in order to come into his presence. Now, don't raise your hands, but how many of you are perfect? I am not. Never have I been, never will I be. This is where mercy comes in. Because truth, well, let me back up before I say mercy. How about righteousness? Because righteousness is how we live our lives based on the truth. If we're living our lives according to truth, we will be righteous. Does that make any sense? Righteousness is what happens. It's the outflow of truth. So if I'm living a righteous life, it means that I'm living according to God's truth that make sense? Okay. Now watch this. Where does mercy come into this? Because when I look at God's truth and I look at my life, I see that there's a ginormous gap between those two things. I, I see that when I read the word of God, it says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I see that. The wages of my sin. And some will say, well, I'm a pretty good person. You know, I give to charity. I treat my husband or my wife good. I'm, I'm, good. I'm good at my job. I'm good at my boss. I'm, I'm a pretty good person. But the problem is, if you've ever sinned in the past, you've already failed everything for the future. So even if you're like, oh, I didn't realize I needed to live perfectly. I'll live perfectly from this point forward. You've already failed. If you've ever sinned. If you've ever, if you, you know, the word of God says, because sometimes people go, well, I'm a pretty good person. I, I, I think that God would accept me on my merits if I went to heaven. And you, and you say something to them like, have you ever had a lustful thought? Well, well, of course, everybody's had a lustful thought. Well, okay, well, according to the scripture, if you've had a lustful thought against somebody, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Well, I didn't do it. I just thought about it. I don't know. I'm just telling you what Jesus said. Have you ever been angry with somebody without a cause? Because the word of God says if you're angry with somebody without a cause, you've already murdered them. What? Have you ever stolen anything? I've never stolen anything. You didn't even take the pen off your boss's desk? You didn't take a paper clip? Well, how, how are you getting so, why do you want to get so legalistic about the whole thing, pastor? Well, because if you fail in one point of the law, you fail the entire law. That's what the truth is. And so righteousness, God says, I want you to be holy. I want you to be righteous. I want you to follow me. And when I compare God's truth with my righteousness, I realize that there is a gap that cannot be covered. And that's where God's mercy comes in. Because in the Old Testament, God said, look, I know you're a bunch of sinners and you're not going to do this, right? So I'm going to give you some animals and you're going to do the animal sacrifices and and wave the offerings and and pour the oil and do all that stuff and build the fires and burn the incense and do all that stuff. And I will count that. But then Jesus came along. And when Jesus came along, he took our place. Okay, I'm trying to make something big short here. Okay. Okay. When Jesus came along, he didn't just come down here to tell us, hey, you miserable failures, you're never going to get it right with God. He came down here to take our place so that he would take our failures upon him so that we would not have to be charged with all of that sin. That's called mercy. Because God rightly could send us all to hell that we are separate from him, don't deserve to be with him, can't live righteously, won't live righteously. And he could just say, I'm done with all of you. And yet he sent Jesus to die on a cross. He was resurrected on the third day. He ascended into heaven. He's interceding for us right now, what we talked about last week. And because that, that is the mercy of God. And so when it says mercy and truth have met together it means that the gap between who i am and who god is has been brought together into one place they've met together in fact the language there is that they have kissed right and so then it goes on and it says righteousness and peace have kissed so what is the peace the peace is this i know i'm a failure I know I'm a sinner. You know, one of the things sometimes I think we do in the church where we we possibly make a mistake is that we want to, it's important that we speak the truth of God relating to sin, but sometimes we take that responsibility to speak the truth relating to sin, and we begin to beat people over their head about their sin. And oftentimes, you don't have to tell somebody they're a sinner because they already know. Right. It, when I was when I was not living for God, I knew that I was not living for God. Yeah, I didn't need anybody to come tell me. OK. And so I know my sin. The problem is, if you know your sin, you have to be willing to admit that to God. Because until that till that comes, there's a gap between you and God that cannot be traversed. But when, but when I come to God and I say, God, I know that I cannot follow you. I know that I will not. I know that I've already failed you over and over and over again. And that doesn't make me necessarily a super bad human being because we've all done that. It just means that I have failed God and there's no way for me to get where I am to God except through the cross of Christ. But watch this. When I say, Jesus, I need you. To forgive me because I'm a sinner and he comes into my life all of the condemnation all of the fear all of the separation that was there between me and God is wiped away in a moment and God says hey you want to kiss see there was a closed door there before Because your sin was keeping the door closed. But when we come to God humbly and say, God, I realize that I am a sinner and the wages of my sin is death. But you said the gift of God was eternal life if I will come to Jesus. And I come and say, Lord, if this is true, then I want to give my life to Jesus. And that door goes, boop. And Jesus says, come on in. Let me give you a kiss. And the kiss is peace. I now have peace. You know, in my life, Sometimes people look, look, look at pastors, generally speaking. Obviously, they don't know me. But, but since, since my wife, I've known her since October of 1987. We've been together. You can probably ask her that I'm a little bit. I'm almost perfect, but not, I'm not quite. But sometimes people look, and they'll be like, well, you're the pastor. You must have it all together. And it's like, well, sometimes on Sunday morning, until like, one, I have it together. Sometimes a lot of other times I don't have it together at all. But listen, I don't live under any condemnation for any of that, because I have peace. Because that door that that kept me from having peace and righteousness with God has been thrown open to me simply because I believe in what God said he, he would do for me and what Jesus did do for me. That's good news. Now with that in mind, righteousness and peace have met. At the moment... That you that you excuse me mercy and truth have met at the moment that we say now some for some you're like this is like sort of some basic stuff while you're talking about this just hang with me here for a second that word right there mercy and truth have met is the word paga now now we can bring that up there if, if we can't which means to meet or to have an encounter to meet or to have an encounter okay so if you're in your notes just just write this in there the meeting between mercy and truth, took place. I want to build from where we're at right now. The meeting between mercy and truth took place once and for all in a moment, and it also takes place hundreds of times every day. That's one of those weird paradoxes of scripture. It took place once, but it takes place hundreds of times every day. Okay? One of those meetings relates to the intercession of Christ, and the other to the intercession of the believer. So watch this. If you're in your notes, point number two, Jesus meets the Father. Jesus meets the Father. John 19, verse 30 says this. So when, he, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. Everybody say, it is finished. it is finished. If you got somebody sitting next to you, turn around and look at them and say, it's finished. Quit worrying about it. Gail, it's finished. Quit worrying about it. Say it again, because they didn't believe you. Turn around to the person next to you and say, it's finished. Quit worrying about it. See, what the enemy wants to do is he wants to take the cross of Christ, and we come to the cross of Christ, and we say, Lord, Jesus, I believe you died for me. But then you go over here, and you're not living perfectly right. And so when Jesus said it's finished, you're over here still worrying about it because you don't think it's finished. But if you have come to Jesus, the door is open quit worrying about it because jesus said it's finished if i said it's finished that doesn't make any difference if jonathan says it's finished it doesn't make any difference but when jesus said it's finished on the cross then that meant it was finished in fact let's take a yeah say say that out, amen amen come on in fact in 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 that verse right there it is finished see every every you know, every Easter or whatever, you know, you, you've always got the, the dramatic movie or the play on the stage or whatever. And Jesus is on the cross. And he said, it is finished. And then, and then we go, well, that was cool. But listen, when Jesus said it's finished, it meant something. In fact, in fact it's our English translation of the Bible that says It is finished. In fact, in Greek, if you, if you were to be reading the scripture and the language they were written in, it doesn't have a phrase. It is finished. There's just one word, and that word is tetelestai. I, I need some interaction this morning. Everybody say tetelestai, because it's just fun to say. Tetelestai. See, that would be cooler if Jesus is hanging on the cross, and he's like, tetelestai. And then everything turns dark, and the earthquakes, and the, the veil, the, the doorway, if you will. Between the people and the presence of God just ripped right in half and opened up. See that word to telesty, though, it's not just like a Bible thing. It, it actually back in those days, that's something you would stamp on a document. If if you if you if you go on and you take a loan on your house and you're buying a house and you make that last payment on your house, they would come and they would take that title deed and they would stamp on it to which means you don't know anything else. When Josh was a, a senior in high school, he was playing football. Um, still not 100% certain what happened, but he started having chest pains. We actually kind of thought maybe he was having a heart attack. And and so they're right in the middle of the game. The ambulance comes. The ambulance takes him to the hospital, checks him out. Everything's kind of okay. That turned into a big thing. But we paid on that ambulance bill for... I, When we left, if if you've been with our church, when we left 2nd Street and we were out running Red Lion and all that and all that stuff we were doing, we were paying bills at Dana's house. We were still paying on that bill when we were sitting at Dana's table doing the bills every Tuesday. That bill just went on and on and on and on and on and on. And then one day, in fact, that bill went on so long that I quit even thinking about it ever getting paid off. Because it would just, this, I'm just going to owe this ambulance bill until the day I die. And then one day, we're like going through the bills, and it's like, we, we got a bill. It was $50 every month. That's all we could afford. to pay $50 every month, $50, $50, $50, $50. And then we get a bill, and it wasn't, it wasn't $50. And I was like, well, they must have made a mistake. And we, we, we called them up, and we're like, hey, what's the deal with our bill? Because, you know, I'm, I'm an idiot. So, like, are you sure? And they're like, no, that's all you owe. It's like, you know, $23 or something. It's like, that's all you owe. You mean this bill that I've been paying for like years, I'm finally not going to have to pay anymore? Yep, that's it. Just send in that last payment, and it is done. To tell this die. Paid in full. We had another bill from Bay Clinic. Big Clinic, we paid on that bill for years and years and years. That bill would actually literally never go away because every time we went to the doctor, it would add the bill because we didn't have insurance. We finally got insurance and we're paying it, we're paying it, we're paying it, we're paying it. Just, just, that's going on for years, years. And just here, probably like two months ago, we paid off that bill. You know what a relief that is? Because if you know me, I'm a debt free. I'm like, you got to get debt free. By the way, you got to get debt free. It's the way to live. And we're trying to get debt free, but we can never get these things out of our lives. And then all of a sudden we get a bill, last one, to tell us die, paid in full. So when Jesus was hanging on the cross and he's about to give up his life, he said, to tell us die. It's paid. What was paid? This is one of the weird things we don't often always talk about. What exactly was paid and who was he talking to? Weird, he was talking to us, right? But if you compare this verse right here, if you compare that with Luke, you'll see that Jesus was actually talking to his father in that moment. Whoa. That puts a whole different spin on everything, right? Because if he's talking to us, that's one thing. Someone's gonna get this in just a minute. If he's talking to us, that's one thing. But he wasn't just talking to us, he was talking to his father. He said to his father, It's paid in full. So, what happened in that moment on the cross was that Jesus had a meeting with his father. And it was a very important meeting because righteousness was required of everybody that was living on the earth and everybody that would ever live on the earth and righteousness would never ever ever be fulfilled by anybody except for him and he went to the cross and when he hung on that cross just before he breathed his last breath he said to his father the debt is paid and it is over so there was a meeting on the cross where righteousness and peace kissed together and where mercy and truth met together. And when those things, in that moment when that happened, everything changed, just like the moment that my wife said, Do you want to kiss? It all changed. God reconciled humanity to himself now some of you are still like "Why? this is like basic Christian stuff why are you going so in-depth about this because I want you to know this morning that Jesus when he went to that cross he reconciled humanity to his father and said the doorway that was closed is now open in fact that literally happened if you read the story, when Jesus breathed his last, it says the veil that was in the temple that, that kept the people away from the ark, which were, excuse me, not the ark, the holy of holies, where the presence of God was, no one could go in there because there was a veil that separated them. And when Jesus said, it is finished, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, he dies and that veil is torn, boom, top to bottom whoops, opens up, and now everybody can see what's going on in there. Anybody can come to the Holy of Holies now. In fact, the Holy of Holies wasn't even in that place anymore. The Holy of Holies was the heavenly Holy of Holies, by which the Word of God says we can come boldly to the throne of grace because we have a high priest, Jesus, who has gone in before us, behind the veil, and made a way for us to come into that place. He reconciled us to him. Now, firstly, if we ever lose the awe of what that means for us, we need to get on our face, fast and pray and worship and do whatever we need to do to reclaim the awe of what that means for us. Because I and you are a bunch of miserable failure sinners who are on our way to hell and deserved it until the moment Jesus said to tell us that. Okay, that, that word there, it comes from the word telio. I won't tell you why, because you don't want a grammar lesson today. But that word there means to bring to a close, to finish, to end, to perform, to execute, to complete, to fulfill, and to pay. God reconciled humanity to himself through the meeting between Jesus and the Father on the cross. that, listen, church, that ought to rock you. Well, I've heard it before, Pastor. If that's your thoughts on it, you need to get back to the cross. Because whenever I stop and step back and actually really ponder that, it's it's mind-numbing to know how close I could have been to being lost for all eternity and yet Jesus stepped in, met with his father, and said, Father, I have paid this. Josh, you don't have to deal with that anymore. It's over. Jennifer, you don't have to deal with that anymore. It's over. Jake, it's done. He did that. And you say, Well, that's that's amazing. That's amazing. What does that mean? What does that mean for me beyond the fact that he just saved me? It's interesting. Let me me just get this from your notes and we'll go to the last thing here. When Jesus said it is finished, he met the Father, paid the price for mankind's sin, and mediated a meeting between the Father and all of humanity. The doorway is open. You say, that's good, but how does that relate to me today? Well, first of all, he saved you, you miserable sinner. I was pointing at myself when I said that. But second of all, he has committed that ministry of reconciliation to you. Not only did Jesus reconcile mankind to the Father on the cross, but he has now ordained and purposed you to bring reconciliation between others and the Father. See, it's all good up until the point where we have some responsibility. You're like, I don't think the Bible says that. Does it? Point number three, the believer meets the father. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 19, watch this. I'm almost done. You guys all right? Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. That's what he did when he hung on the cross and said it is finished. But look at the next phrase. And has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So what does that mean? When Jesus died on the cross... He opened the doorway for anybody. All who would come can come and be saved. And then he passed on that ministry to us and said, what I want you to do is I want you to go tell everyone that you can about what Jesus did on the cross. And I want you to bring them to him. I want you. I want Everybody say me. Say it's not Ed. That one threw you off, didn't it? Say it's not Ed. Everybody but Ed can say it's not Ed. Because we always want to say, well, Ed and Becky are the CR leaders. Let them go out and get the people in. De- Deborah and the crew, they're, they're the His Walk crew. Let them go out and get the people and bring them in. Tom's the pastor. Let him be the one that goes and gets everybody in. But guess what? The ministry of reconciliation. The moment that we say, Jesus, I need you because I'm a sinner i am going to hell and i know it but i need you i believe you died for me i confess that i'm a sinner i ask you to come in my life forgive me of my sins the moment that you do that you're not only saved yourself but there's a ministry that comes upon you to go out and begin to get other people and tell them the same good news that just saved you now here's the thing a lot of times we're like well i don't know i'm too afraid i'm too scared what if what if they don't want to hear it? what if they don't accept it you did you did why if 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 God has changed your life If God has changed your life why would we assume that God that other people would not want that same thing Who when when people really truly understand what it is that Jesus has done how could you not want that I am a sinner my life is going nowhere I know it's going nowhere. Even if it's going somewhere, it's going nowhere because the end result of my life is I'll be separated from God for all eternity. He'll be in heaven; I'll be in hell. That's where my life is going. Who wants to be like? That's the coolest thing ever. That's the greatest thing. You know, I've I, you know, when people come in and give their testimony, CR or whatever. They give a testimony they'll be like, "Yeah, I was I was in the ditch and I was I was shooting." meth and heroin and I was snorting paint and I was drinking and one day I woke up and I was upside down in a ditch and, and I was in jail and I did all this stuff and then somebody comes along and says yeah I'll give my life to Jesus later you've already had your fun now I'm going to go out and have my fun then I'll come to Jesus later and it's like fun? Did you hear what I just said? Where's the fun in my life is going to hell there's no fun in that maybe for a moment but when you truly understand you guys know what I'm trying to say when you truly understand when you truly understand what Jesus has done for you then you cannot help but want that there's nothing better than that I'm too scared to say anything pastor I don't know if I don't know if they want to hear it if you wanted to hear it, maybe just maybe they want to hear it. Because maybe they, maybe they want their life to be changed as well. But here's the thing, and I'll, I'll start rolling to the finish right here. Whenever we, whenever we think about this ministry of reconciliation, now that's a big word. I don't want you to be confused on that. All that means is Jesus died on the cross so that the doorway could be opened so that humans could come and be with God. And then he's passed that on to us says, Josh, I want you to go out and I want you to open some doorways so that some people can come and find God. This is the purpose of your life. In some way, shape, or form, the purpose of your life is to just get people and say, hey, I just want to open this door here and let you know that you can come to God. It's free. No cost. I don't want anything from you. I don't need anything from you. Just come freely. Freely you can receive. But Whenever we think about that ministry, often we jump right to everybody run out there on the streets and tell somebody about Jesus, which is important, but there's a ministry that has to take place before that, and if the ministry doesn't take place before that, then that one is never going to work. Now you're like, oh, you're confusing me. Don't, don't, don't be, don't be, we're, we're going to get there. If you're in your notes, write this. Before we talk to others about the Father, we must talk to the Father about others. Very simple, but quite profound. Before we talk to others about the Father, we must talk to the Father about others. Uh, Just for clarity's sake, I want to read this from the Living Bible, 1 Timothy 2, 1 to 5. Here are my directions. Pray much for others. Everybody say, pray much. How much is much? Much is much. Much is, much is more than a little. Every day. Pray much for others. Plead for God's mercy upon them. Why would I plead for God's mercy? Because where mercy and truth meet, righteousness and peace come together and kiss. Because they're stuck in the truth that they're separated from God. But if I plead for God's mercy and mercy meets truth, then the doorway opens. Righteousness is taken care of and peace comes into a heart. That's why we plead for God's mercy. Give thanks for all that he is going to do for them. I know it's getting late here and I need to move on here a little bit, but is that past, present, or future tense? Pray for everything that God is going to do. Huh? Future, right? I'm thanking God for something that hasn't even happened yet. Do you know what that's called? Faith. I'm placing my faith in the mercy of God. I'm placing my faith in the mercy of God. Lord, I, I I plead for your mercy over jim bob's life and i thank you that you're so so many times we're praying for people who are like oh god bring them out of the ditch bring them out of their addictions bring them and that's an important prayer i'm not saying that it's not but but so many times what the the the, the problem with that can be that we're praying from a place of failure and not faith Oh, God, it's so bad. It's so bad. Listen, there's nothing wrong with saying to God the truth of what's happening. But at some point, we got to put a little faith on it. Lord, I know what is, but I thank you for what you're about ready to do. I I know what the addiction is, but I'm thankful that right over here, they're going to be walking right out of that and bringing many people to Jesus. I thank you that right now that the, the sin has caused this break in this marriage. But I thank you that right now, that right over here, that marriage will be restored. I, my, my, my child has, has gone off to live with the pigs. Biblical, right? He's off living with the pigs. But God, I thank you that one day I'm going to lift my head and I will run and throw my arms around him and bring him back into the family. You got to put a little bit of faith on it once in a while. I like gravy. I just threw you all off the rails with that. What? I love gravy. There, there's. I'm going to talk to Jake because Jake gets it, obviously. It's part of the reason why this. But I don't care what I'm eating. You put gravy on it. Because gravy makes it better. It doesn't matter what it is. If I go, if I have breakfast, I put gravy on it. When, when I have Thanksgiving, I put turkey. Now, I, 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 Gail's probably going, ah, oh, you're killing me. But at Thanksgiving, you put the turkey, the mashed potatoes, and the stuffing. They ain't got any time for the green bean casserole and all that other stuff. That's not Thanksgiving. They didn't eat that on Thanksgiving Day, right? I'm sure of it. And then you just drown it in gravy. I could eat it without the gravy, but it's not as good. I confess. You can eat it without it, but it's better with it. You can pray prayers without putting a little faith and thanksgiving behind it, but it's just not as good. It's just not gonna be as effective. But sometimes if you lay your prayer in there, Lord, here's my son, my daughter, my husband, my wife, my, my family, my friend, my coworker. I'm just gonna lay them out before you, and then I'm just gonna put a healthy dose of faith and thanksgiving on top of that because I know that at the end of this, they will be walking with you. Someday we're going to tap into believing that when we pray prayers, that God brings people into his kingdom. So you got to put a little faith on it. Pray in this way for kings and all others who are in authority over us. Boy, there's a whole message right there. Um, you're supposed to be praying for them people. I'll just leave that with you. Um, or are in places of high responsibility so that we can live in peace and quietness. Spending our time in godly living and thinking much about the Lord. That's good stuff right there. This is good and pleases God our Savior, for he longs for all to be saved and to understand this truth. That God is, now, well, let me finish. That God is on one side and all the people are on the other side, and Christ Jesus himself, man, is between them to bring them together. Now, what I want you to understand here is the prayer of faith is this. How do I pray for my lost friend, my lost loved one, someone that doesn't know God? How do I pray for them? How do I pray for them? What what did Jesus say when we pray, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Did he not say to pray that? You take verses like this and you realize that it is not God's will that any should not find their way to him. I got one amen, so I'm going to say it again because we don't really tap into that concept. It is not God's will that anyone would be lost. Not even, everybody say not even one. Not even one. It's not God's will that, not, that even one would be lost. It is God's will that all would be saved. So I got to put a little faith on it. God, let your kingdom come and your will be done in in this person's life. It's saying that, God, I know it is not your will that they don't know you. Therefore, I'm going to get on the wall and pray for them until they do know you. And I thank you that they're going to come to that knowledge. But say put a little faith on it. Now watch this. In other words here in this verse, we have a responsibility and a great privilege to talk to the Father because of the meeting the Son had with him on the cross and to ask him to bring those who are separated from him to him. Okay? This is my last thing. This is not a nice little thought. It's a necessity. It's a necessity. Now, I'm less than five minutes from being done here, so tune into this part right here, okay? Okay? is where it all comes together it's not an option for us to pray and and be in the ministry to help bring other people to Jesus it's a necessity and some would be like I ain't got time to sit there and pray and do all that stuff what I need to go out is tell people about Jesus I want you to know that it is a necessity that you put the time into prayer meeting with God for them before you try to bring them to God it's a necessity do you know why Because Jesus said this in John 6. He said, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him to me. And at the last day, I will cause all such to rise again from the dead. If you're in your notes, write this down. We will never see others reconciled to God unless the Father draws them. I didn't get one amen there, so I'm not sure if I connected on that. We will never see others reconciled to God unless the Father draws them. Therefore, in our ministry of reconciliation, we must meet with him first in the place of prayer. You, we pray people into the kingdom before we ever talk them into the kingdom. And if we're trying to talk them into the kingdom without praying them into the kingdom, we're doing it backwards. And then we get frustrated and go, I don't know why we don't ever see any fruit. I talk talk my son to death. I don't know why. I talk my daughter to death. I talk my wife to death. I talk my husband to death. I talk my friend to death. I talk my coworker to death. I don't understand why they wouldn't want it. Well, because we have to pray and say, Father, you got to get involved in this. One of the things in our discipleship groups that has come up over and over again, and I, I am done. I promised less than five minutes. I'm rolling in right now. Is that the harvest is his. The harvest is his. I can't get anybody to come to Jesus, but I can partner with God and he can through me. And so the ministry that, that Jesus did on the cross, when he said, Father, it's finished and the doorway opened and now all of humanity can freely come into the presence of God. He has taken that ministry and He has placed it on us and said, now I want you to carry out that ministry. I want you to pray. I want you to seek God, to seek me, he said. I want you to seek me so that I can move in their life and draw them to me because it is not my will that they would be lost. Do you know that it breaks God's heart? Some people see God as this giant thumb in the sky waiting for them to mess up so that he can just squish you down into the dirt. And you have to know that God is broken over every person that is lost and does not go to heaven. In fact, in 1 Peter, he's talking about why Jesus has not come back yet. and said the reason that Jesus hasn't come back yet is because God is patient with us, not willing that any should perish, but that should all should come in. It's like Noah on the ark when the rain is starting to pour and the door has to be closed. Is there even one more that could come in? If there would have been one more in all of the earth, God would have left that door open because he doesn't desire for anybody to perish. He doesn't desire for anybody to live without the purpose for which he created them. What a privilege it is for us to be able to go before the Father and say, Lord, I want to bring these folks before you. And I just want to love on them with you here. And I want to pray for them. Pray for your mercy in their life. And then watch you turn around and change everything in their life. This, this very last thing we're praying. In 1987, one moment changed my entire life. That sounds very nice, right? And then they lived happily ever after. We've had a whole bunch of high highs and a whole bunch of really low lows. We've had good times, bad times, in-between times. Struggles, failures, abounding, have nothing. But I want to tell you something. It's all been worth it. I would not go back to anything with my wife, the good, the bad, or the ugly, and say it wasn't worth it. Does anybody hear what I'm saying this morning? When we give our lives to Christ, there will never be a moment. When you give your life truly over to him, there's never a moment. It's going to be good. It's going to be bad. It's going to be in the middle and sometimes anywhere in between. But when you look back on it, I see very few people that say, boy, I sure, I sure would. The moment you die or you're raptured or whatever, however you get to heaven, I seriously doubt that you're going to turn around and say, boy, I wish I sure would have sinned just a little bit longer. I wish I would have lived with Jesus just a little bit longer, less. Because it's worth it. And if it's worth it to you, is it not worth it to us to love people enough to go to the Father and, and meet with the Father in order to create a meeting for them with God? He's called you to this. What's well, the intercessor's job? But it is the intercessor's job, but it's also your job. Amen? He's called you to pray. There's a meeting between us and God in order to facilitate a meeting between others and God. You become the go-between just like Jesus was. And if you'll do that, God will use you to bring many into the kingdom. Amen? Let's, uh, if everybody would this morning, if you bow your heads close your eyes just for a moment. As far as I am aware and understand, everybody in this room is already a follower of Christ. But I just want to make sure this morning, if you're, if you're in the room and you're like, I, I hear what you're saying. I don't have a relationship with God. I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I just want to say to you this morning that it will cost you your whole life. But entering into the relationship is absolutely free. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to try real hard. You don't have to get your life perfectly straightened out. You just have to say, Jesus, I need you. Please forgive me of my sin. Come into my life and lead me. So if you're here in this room that, this morning and that's you, if you can just put your hand up and back down. I'm, gonna, I'm, just gonna, I'm not going to call you up. I see you guys. Anybody else? I'm not going to call you up front. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to do anything. I just want to pray with you. Anyone else? Got you? Anyone else? There's several hands, so don't feel like you'd be on your own. I got you. Anyone else? Well, that's amazing. We're going to pray a prayer, and if you pray this prayer and you believe it and you put a little faith on it, God's going to come into your life this morning. Amen. So can I have everybody pray this with me this morning? Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I need you. I believe Jesus died for me, and that in him I can live. So I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me. Come into my life. Show me your way. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to walk with you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I know that's a simple prayer, but if you prayed that prayer and you believe it, then your life is different now. Your life is different now. So I want you to walk out of here like, oh, I'm the same person I was when I came in here because you're not. And all you need to do now is just say, all right, Lead me, Jesus, and to show me how to do this. I want you to know that if you raised your hand this morning, there's a whole group of church people around you that are here to help you. Grab any one of us and say, what do I need to do? If you raised your hand, you need a, you need a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, I want you to grab me real quickly. After church here, we're going get, to get a Bible for you. Um, and I want to do that. And so I'm, I'm proud of you. For, for the rest of you that are here this morning, I want to pray one more prayer because it's a really amazing thing that just happened here. And we have the opportunity to see this happen every single day. And it doesn't have to be in a church service. It can be when you're sitting at the Walmart or when you're out driving around giving food away. We got to put a little faith on it, open our mouths and let God use us. Amen. But before you do that, we need to pray. So if you if you'll commit to pray this morning, for those that don't know Jesus, I want to just pray for you this morning. So, Father, right now I just come to you for every, everyone in this room, Lord. I'm, I'm super thankful for the hands raised this morning. But, Lord, there, there is a much bigger job. There's a much bigger job that we still have because there are many, many more. There are many, many more. Lord, that our desire, and I know your heart, is that they would know you. And so, Father, I pray for this, this church right here, that we would become a praying church. God, the, the scripture in Timothy said that we will pray much for others. Not so that we can just put a check mark somewhere and say, look, we got one more person saved. But because we know that, that, that if we can lead them to you, that it will change everything in their lives. And we know that it's good. And we know that relationship with you and a love relationship, the open door with you, there's nothing like it, Lord, and we want others to experience that as well. So I pray, Father, you would just put a passion in our hearts to pray for others. And then, Lord, when we've prayed, that we would open our mouth and we would speak and that your Holy Spirit would do a great work and bring many to faith in you. I thank you for that this morning, and I love you. I praise you in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.